Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Well, we're going to finish off the book of Haggai. If you have your Bibles, turn to Haggai chapter 2. We're going to be looking at four verses from verse 20 all the way to verse 23. And as we finish off our sermon series, uh, Restore, I hope that it's been a, a blessing for you and also a challenging time just to be able to understand what the Word of God says. This is the beauty of God's Word, that even though it was written many, many years ago, because God's words are eternal, that it can still speak to us in our context, even though it's completely different from back then when it was written, God's Word can speak to us in that way. So I wanted to start off and ask a question, and I'm wondering how many of you have ever experienced maybe a trial or difficulty in your life that you actually considered and thought about giving up? I don't know what it is. It, it might have been maybe something with school. Maybe it's a job. Maybe some of you are going through it right now. Like, when can I look for the next job? I don't know what it is. Some of you might have gone through different things, maybe just playing sports or just so many different things. And I would even venture to guess for some of you, it is your spiritual life. Is it really worth continuing in my growth, especially when things are hard and difficult? And I think the reason why some of us struggle with this is because we lose sight of our purpose. We lose sight of why we are doing what we're doing. And I think most of all, we lose the sight of who God is and what he has called us to do. I wanted to show you this quick video. It's an incredible story about a young man. Some of you might have heard it. Probably not. It's from the States. But uh, the story of a young man who got some grit and determination in his life is just something that I think God wired him up with. And he did something that was pretty incredible. That it literally caught the attention of so many people as the story went viral. And I want you to watch this. And as you're watching this, just see the response. And let me just give you a little context. Uh, those of you who might know who Steve Harvey is, he's a comedian and he has a talk radio and talk uh, show. And so he got wind of the story. So he brought this young man to his show and started to interview him. And I want you to hear the story behind this and also some of the words that Steve Harvey spoke into this young man's life. So let's watch this video together. Like, just think about that. 20 years old. How many 20-year-olds do we have here in our church? <laughs> and how many of you would have walked that, what is it, 20 miles? So that's about 32.2 kilometers. Walking for the first day of work. But some of us, we get all these professional jobs and we hate it. There's something about our lives that I think kind of reveals not only the love for comfort and how quickly we give up on things. We don't know how to persevere. We don't really have that grit that oftentimes studies are showing that people who have that and develop that at a young age exceed so much more, greater. Some of you make commitments on things and cannot fulfill it. You quit. Instead of saying, you know what, I want to get better. I want to change. 
I need to change. Because if I'm quitting here, I'm going to quit in other areas of my life, even in the future, when things are hard. And so when you think about just not only that testimony, but then also thinking about our lives, what we have come to the realization is that too often we make everything about us. And you get focused on yourself. And you begin to think about just you and your situation rather than thinking about who else is involved. What else is going on in this situation? What else should I be thinking about? What else should I be doing? And most of all, how can I honor God? How can I love him? How can I be able to serve him in a way that will bring him glory and honor? And this is the moment when you realize you don't have the strength, that it is easy to give up, that proclivity towards just wanting to not even try anymore, that desire that is so natural in our sinful nature to be able to say, God, I'm gonna humble myself, turn to you, and say, God, I need you. Frederick uh, Bickner, in his book, Sacred Journey, he writes something that I thought was really interesting. And I think this is the problem with so many who are living in Asia because this is part of our culture. This is what your parents taught you. This is what the world teaches you, especially in the workplace. And you bought into it and you believe in it. And this is the reason why you bring it into the church, which is a complete juxtaposition towards the gospel. That's why some of you struggle. And there's this inner battle within. Why? Because you realize the things of this world, the values of this world, the philosophy of this world does not match what the Bible is trying to say. And until we can humble ourselves and realize, yeah, that is my tendency. Yes, this is what I lean toward. Unless we come to that realization, we're not going to change. Listen to what he says. I think it's very, very important. He says this, to do for yourself the best that you have in, in you to do, to grit your teeth and clench your fists in order to survive the world at its harshest and worst, is by that very act to be unable to let something be done for you and in you that is more wonderful still. Let me just pause here. I mean, he, he's, a, he's an American writer. He, he's a theologian. And sometimes when you read some of his stuff, you have to sit there and like, what is he trying to say? But what he's simply at least saying in that first sentence is that we ourselves have been brought up in a way that you just got to clench your, uh, uh, grit your teeth, clench your hands, and just try harder. Do more. Try harder. And, and what he's trying to say is that this very act is going to mess you up. That's my translation. This is from the hood. This, it's going to mess you up. Watch what it says next. He says, the trouble with stealing yourself, kind of making yourself really strong, stealing yourself against the harshness of reality is that the same steel that secures your life against being destroyed secures your life also against being opened up and transformed by the holy power that life itself comes from. You can even prevail on your own, but you cannot become human on your own. What a great reminder. Yeah, if you just try really hard, you might be able to make it. And some of you are a self-made person. You're successful, your grades are great. You know, you're moving up the corporate ladder. 
Your relationships are going really well because you're spending all this. So you could do a lot of things. But there are some things that God is trying to form in you to change you that you cannot do in your own power. You're not going to be able to fight that sin in your own power. You tried, and you're trying, and you're failing. I'm failing. We're all failing in this. You're trying to do all these things that maybe God is calling you to do, and you don't have the strength to do it, and we're failing miserably. Because you're not getting enough sleep. The attitude that you have, every, everyone sees this. So with so much going in our lives, the challenge and the thought for us is this. How, we, how are we going to see that God is greater than anything else in this world? Greater than my strength, greater than my wisdom, greater than all the things that I'm aspiring for. That God is greater than all that and that we will turn to him and to trust in him. That's why as we close out this whole book, I thought it was so good that at this last section, verse 20 through 23, God speaks and he speaks to Zerubbabel and he speaks to him in such a way to remind him, it's not about you, but it's about me. The God of the universe and all that I am doing. And if you can catch the essence of what the word is today. I believe that it could have a lot of good ramifications for your life as we think about who Jesus Christ is to us. And so here's the one thing that I want us to keep in mind. It's simply that our lives may be unstable. And how many of you guys know that sometimes it's very unstable? Amen. As you know, there are a lot of things going on. It just kind of, you don't know where to hold on to. That our lives may be stable, but God, come on now, is more than able. Amen that God is more than able. He's more than able to work in your life. He's more than able to intervene right where you are. He is more than able to transform you and change you as you turn yourself, not what you do, but when you turn yourself towards the face of God, that's where you're gonna experience the true transformation. So can we just pause here? I want us to kind of think about the video that we watched, just kind of, this one thing that I'm mentioning that as your life is just maybe just unstable right now, there's so many things going on, so many unknown future things that do you really believe that God is able, that he's able to work? So here are two questions I want us to talk about in our huddle group as we separate and just to encourage one another. Once again, these times are not just where we then go, okay, see you later. I, I, I just found out. I, I don't know if I should share that. I'm going to share it. Uh, I had a GLT, our global leadership team of all the HMCC churches this past week. And we're just talking and we're just giving updates on what's going on. And uh, we're just, we're, all of us are zoomed out. We don't want to do Zoom anymore. But it was interesting because uh, in one side, I won't tell you which country, but in, in one place in particular, that uh, as they're trying to do the Zoom for like the small huddle groups time, like some people literally just log out. They're gone. So can you imagine when you're like, oh, we're going to have three or four people together all of a sudden, and they're all gone, and you're the only one left. Well, not really. You have three other people, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God, God the Son. But here you are, what's going on? And they're like, yeah, because, you know, sometimes it's early in the morning, even though it's 10, and some of them have not put on their face, their game face. Uh, some of them are still in their very comfortable clothes, and so they don't want to see it, you know, to, and it's a bother, you know. It's like... 
it's, you want to be comfortable. Certain countries, you know, it just promotes more comfortability. It's just like, I want to be comfortable. I just want to be comfortable. Where are my helpers? Where am I? I want to be comfortable. And so here you are in your raggedy clothes, in your sleeping pajamas, and you haven't put your face on, and so you're not going to participate. That's a dramatic pause. So your brain could catch up to what I'm saying. It's not about how you look. It's about your heart. So therefore, when we break up the huddle group, you're not putting on a fashion show. Yes, maybe this is how you look in the morning, so praise the Lord. But you know what? I was thinking about something. But if someone still likes you when you're like that, that means they really like you. They might be the one. Anyway, that's just a little side comment. Maybe we should have a relationship seminar part two. Swipe, right? Anyway, so these are the times where you are sharing your life with one another. Not just receiving, but also, why don't you give? Be a blessing to that person. Speak life into that person. And then also another reason why we do this is it helps you to process the things that you're hearing so you can learn. The third and last reason is because we live in a very isolated time because of the pandemic. And just to be able to connect with people, man, I know sometimes I don't like Zoom because I'm so tired. But after just talking with the people that I'm in that conference, video conference, I get blessed. I get encouraged. I'm like, God, it was good to just see them. It was good to be able to talk with them. And that helps us to get out of our isolation. So would you do that? And so as we get into our huddle groups, here are the two questions I want you to talk about. Encourage one another. We're going to give you six minutes, not enough time, I know. But just as best as you can, just have everyone be able to share quickly. And then we're going to bring you back, and then we'll start off with the first point. So let's go ahead and do that. Okay, welcome back. Hope all of you had a good time just to discuss those questions. Uh, I'm praying that we'll raise up more people like Walter Carr, who love Jesus, who are able to persevere and do great things for the kingdom of God. Uh, as you know, as we're talking about this idea of no matter what you're going through right now, no matter what you're facing, how unstable things may be, that God is more than able, that he's more than able to work in your life, more than able to give you hope and teaching you how to persevere as you go through the things that you're going through. And so before I I just start off with the points, I, I want to kind of pull back a little bit on the whole book. I know we've been going through this for the last four weeks, but let's not lose sight of the bigger picture and everything that's happening in the book of Haggai. If you remember... As you look at chapter 1 and even in chapter 2, and we'll finish off with these last four verses. In these four verses, one of the things that you'll notice is really a, a reminder of everything that God was talking about in the first one and a half chapters. And so let me put it this way with the bigger picture. Here are a couple things that, or several things that I want you to think about. The first thing is this, God's exhortation. Just think about it in the bigger picture of things. If you remember, these people came back from being exiled, and instead of really rebuilding the temple of God, the house of God, what were they doing? They were building their own luxurious houses because they were all concerned about themselves, which is sometimes understandable. You've been exiled. You come back. This is your hometown, and so you just want to relax and be comfortable. You want to be able to do things for yourself, kind of like me time, and so it's understandable. So they were doing this, but then here is God raising up the prophet Haggai, to speak to Zerubbabel, to speak to Joshua, to speak to the remnants who actually came back. And he says, here you are. 
living in these paneled houses, these luxurious places, while the temple of the Lord is in ruin. And what he was doing was that he was trying to expose their hearts because they say they love God, but by their actions, it was not a priority. This is the reason why this book is appropriate even now thousands of years later for us. Because if someone to ask you, do you love Jesus? Is the kingdom of God something that's important to you? Is it a priority? If you are a follower of Christ, you will say yes. But what God is trying to speak to you and through the Holy Spirit is look at your life. Look at the things that you're chasing after. Look at where you spend your time. Look at the things that you invest in. Is it really about God? Is it really about the kingdom of God? No, it's all about you. You might not be living in a paneled apartment complex. You might not have the car. You might not do all these stuff, but there are things in our lives that we do for ourselves while God's house and people around us are struggling. So that's his exhortation. You will also notice God's explanation. This is also very important. Sometimes God doesn't give us an explanation. He doesn't owe us anything. But there are times when he explains why we are going through some of the things that we're going through. If you remember, in the end of chapter 1, and even as he explains in chapter 2, is this whole idea of here you are harvesting. You planted the seed, and you're waiting for a great harvest, nothing. Here you are doing all this stuff and um, trying to save money, and there's holes in your purses. What he's trying to explain is look at your life. And everything that has happened, he says, possibly one of the reasons why that all these things are happening is that you are not seeking first my kingdom and my righteousness, and therefore it's all about you. And he's saying, should I bless this? And I think this is where some of us struggle because we think that as long as I go to church, as long as I go to life group, as long as I try to do so, God owes us something. Here's a, a, a news alert. God owes us nothing. In fact, that will even reveal and expose your heart that everything, good, righteous works that you do, all your service to community, all the stuff that you do in serving in a ministry team, all the stuff that you do, you might actually do it for yourself so that you can be praised by people. Everyone can look at you and say, wow, you're such a, you're such a great servant. It's all about you. And I hear that sometimes when people talk, they're always like, yeah, and I did this, and when I did this, I, and I'm like, who cares? Because in some situation, it's not about you. So that was a challenge for us. Are you going through some things in your life? Is there things that God is trying to explain to you that maybe you're struggling, you're wrestling through with these things because you're not making him a priority. He is not in the center of your life. So as he begins to exhort, as he begins to explain, but this is the nature of God. That's why it's awesome. We see God's encouragement. And what he's doing is, as they responded to say, yes, we're wrong. We're going to rebuild the house of the Lord. There were times when they were getting discouraged. Some of the older people were saying things like, oh, that's not as great as what we knew and all this stuff. And so what did God do? He encouraged them. And it says in chapter two, remember the spirit of the Lord is going to stir up the hearts of people the spirit of Zerubbabel, the spirit of Joshua, the spirit of the people to encourage them to say, keep on building because this is my heart, this is my will. And as they were encouraged in the spirit, as they continued to build and finish, they realized it was for the glory of God. So with that, as we talk about how everything around us is unstable, 
But we have to remember that God is able. I'm going to mention here as we look at these four verses, several things. The first thing is this. The first point is that to understand of God being Let me, let me put it this way. For God to be able, for us to really understand this, then what we need to come to the realization is that everything that's happening around us, even though it's hard, God is committed to us. That God is committed to us. That's the first thing that I want you to keep in mind. Now, let's go ahead and read verse 20 through 22. And you, you will see this. And I think it's important as we talk about God's commitment to us. What does that mean for us? Especially as we're going through some difficult times in our lives. Let me read it. It says this. The word of the Lord came a second time to Haggai on the 24th day of the month. Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I am about to shake the heavens and the earth and to overthrow the throne of kingdoms. I'm about to destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the nations that overthrow the chariots and the riders and the horses and their riders shall go down. Everyone by the sword of his brother. Let's just pause here as we have read these three verses. We start off this section with the phrase, the word of the Lord came a second time. Now, if you look at this passage in verse 20, it says the 24th day of the month. In verse 20, why is this important? Because that same date is mentioned in verse 10, which means that God spoke to uh, through the prophet Haggai to the people that time in verse 10, but now at the same time, on the same day, he spoke a second time. There was another message that came on the same day. But the difference, this is what's important. You have to note this. The difference of this message is that it was addressed only to Zerubbabel, who was the governor of Judah at the time. So the first time on the 24th day of the month, it was to all the people, but the second message came on the same day, but this time it was just to Zerubbabel. And I was thinking about this and I said, why is this important? As the people were rebuilding the house, it might have been like, you know, here's Zerubbabel, who's the governor of Judah. He's a leader. He must have been discouraged. It must have been hard. He might have forgotten certain things. So here's God speaking to Zerubbabel. Not to the people, but to Zerubbabel. Isn't it amazing? Amazing that God knows exactly where we are and what we need. Can I get a good amen to that? Amen? That he knows exactly where we are, what we need, and how we need it. That's his commitment to us. He could have spoken to everyone through the second message, but he spoke specifically to Zerubbabel. Even though no one else understands what you're going through right now in your life, God does. Some of you right now are facing different situations that you don't really have shared, you haven't shared with anybody. Some people, even when you share it, they don't fully understand. And this is a time where you don't feel connected with people. Sometimes you don't feel like you belong in that community. But I want to say this to you, that God understands that he knows. This is his commitment to you. And there are times when it seems like no one else is there for you. But listen to me carefully. God will speak a word just to you. That's why sometimes he pulls you away from different situations to speak to you. That's what happened with Jacob as he was on the river Jabbok, and we realized that God wrestled, the spirit, the angel of the Lord wrestled with him to leave him alone, to specifically speak to him that you will be now be Israel. 
No longer the deceiver, but Israel. I'm wondering if there are things that right now that God is doing in your life that maybe no one really understands and God is saying, here I am. I'm committed to you. Listen. And I'm listening because I'm going to be speaking as well. So what did God say to Zerubbabel? In this last section of the book, I want you to notice in verse 21 and 23, and we haven't read verse 23 yet. We're going to read that later. But in these three verses, I want you to just first note that there are five promises that God makes. Five promises. And as I was looking at this, I just kind of broke them into two clusters. The first cluster is made up of three promises, which are found in verse 21 and 22. And then the other two promises that make up the total of five are broken up in verse 23. So I'm going to look at the first cluster of the promises in verse 21 and 23 as I talk about God is committed to us. So if you read verse 21 and 23 in other translations, you will spot out how God's promises are translated into his commitment to us. Rather than us trying to do something, the promise is what God is going to do even when you don't do anything. That's the beauty of the gospel. That you don't have to keep on trying and try on your own strength and own power, but it's God. The first one is the human paradigm where you try to do things on your own. And you try to, and I'm not saying that you have no responsibility, but some of us, we're trying to change on our own. We're trying to overcome that sin on our own. How well are we doing? We're failing miserably. Some of us are trying to be holy and righteous on our own. How are we doing? Horribly. We're failing miserably. Loving people on your own. How are you doing? Miserably and horribly. And we're failing because we cannot do some of these things that are beyond your own strength, your own love, your own wisdom, outside of God's power. So listen to what it says, because the gospel paradigm says, you can't do it, but God can. I'm going to read Haggai chapter, 20, or chapter 2, verse 21 and 23 in the New Living Translation, and it gives us that kind of idea of his commitment to us. And when you see that yellow highlighted, I want you to say it really loud. Amen. It's going to be very simple. It's just two words. Repeat it over. So I want you to repeat it with me. All right. So listen to what it says. Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I will shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers, horses and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. Do you see the emphasis of I will? This reminds us that it's God who's committed to us. It's God who's going to do it, not us. It's about his commitment to his glory, his commitment to us so that we can bring him glory, his commitment to us because he is committed to his mission. So I want you to look at quickly these three I will statements. Once again, two clusters. The first cluster has three promises. The second cluster has two. If you look at these three I will promises. The first thing is the shaking of the heavens and the earth. Now, why is this important? 
because the shaking of the heavens and the earth are also mentioned in verse 6. So there's a lot of repetition. If you look at verse 6, we'll see this again about shaking the heavens and the earth. And it's a reference to changes that's going to happen in this world. Listen to me. It is specifically oftentimes refers to God's judgment. He's going to shake up everything because that's God bringing forth his judgment. I'm just thinking right now, look at, look at our lives. Look at how many things have been disrupted or interrupted in our lives. Think about just not only the pandemic, but some of you are like in major transitions of your life. It almost seems like everything is upended and nothing is stable. Why is this happening? Because there are times when God does this because he wants to wake you up. There are times he does this because he wants to get us out of our comfort zone. I mean, you, you could talk to any husband or any guy. Like we could literally go for months and years as if nothing's wrong. Like, how's your relationship with your wife? Or how's your relationship with, you know, they're like, oh, it's, it's good. And then you talk to the other, the other half and they're like, oh my God, it's so bad. And then it's like confusing. The guy's like, okay. The wife or and the woman is like, no, it's really bad. Like that's the problem with us guys. Like thick-headed. We just don't read the cues very well. And so here we get this thing where then sometimes the wife or somebody will be like, huh, or they will just try to ignore. And you're like, what's, what's going on? And then finally you, you have to, like a, like a bat has to hit you on the head. And you're like, oh, I didn't take out the garbage. <laughs> you know, oh, oh, I didn't do this. That's the shaking. And what God is trying to do is he's trying to do the shaking in our lives. Some of you have been chasing after the things of this world. And he's, he's, given, he's been patient because he's trying to let you kind of come to that realization. But some of you are going too far in. So what will he do? You'll lose your job. What will you do? What will happen? You hear news about something. It doesn't mean that God caused it, but there are things happening in this world that God can use to wake us up. I was thinking about the pandemic and I was thinking, wow, if there's any, any time in this century even, in this world that has caused the church to rethink about what the church is, is right now. That's not about a building. But we still need to meet the importance of meeting, to come together, to hear the word of God. God is disrupting and he is shaking the kingdoms of this world. The second promise that you will notice is that he's going to be overturning and shattering power. Now, even though the kingdom of this world might appear very, very powerful, like if you think about the financial world, you think about just all the different, different things that are going on, and even in our city, it seems like there's a stronghold in some of these places where there's poverty, when there's a lot of uh, abuses going on. What he's simply saying is that he is going, his power is greater and he is going to destroy it. Anything that is set up against the knowledge and the will of God, he's going to come against it in his power. All the power in this world is no match, not even your boss, even though they might seem very powerful. There is nothing more powerful than the power of God. The third promise that we see is this overthrowing of military might. I think it's really easy to trust in military power because it really produces fear in other governments, right? So every single time there's a new cycle or a new president from the United States, then Kim Jong-un, he appears. He, he, just, he appears at these right moments. 
to let everyone know what's up. I'm still here. And I'm going to produce fear. All the situation, I don't want to get into political stuff, but stuff that's happening in, you know, some areas of the world. U.S. is like, er, er, and they're bringing all their big ships, their big boats over. And some people from the north, you know, above us come like, er, er, and like, here are the guys, you know. And it's just like, it's all about power. So I was thinking, like, what is it about it? And then, I don't know if you know this or not, in 2018, uh, North Korea celebrated their 70th anniversary of the establishment of their army. So it's a big one, 70th year. So that's why they decided to put all this pomp and, you know, just this flashy thing of this parade. So here's a picture. I want you to look at this. All the people gathering together and waving the flag, you know. Go Korea. The 70th. The next one you'll see is, of course, you got to have people marching in sync. This is what Asians are good at. Just memorizing and just doing everything perfectly, right? So if you don't, then you don't eat. So anyway, so here they are marching in unity to show that there's power. And then the, the women are like, we can do this too, but we're going to do it in skirts, you know? So here they are. They're also marching. Here's another picture. Then they bring out the big guns. They're like, okay, we got the people. Now we got the weaponry. So they bring out some of these big missiles that are supposed to be uh, continental. You can go across and hit a place called, a little small place called the United States of America. So anyway, so you see this. And then we'll see the big guns coming out, all right? But you know what God says? <laughs> Kim Jong-un, oh, I don't know. Maybe this is going to go out to him. But anyway, uh, whoever you are, no matter how much military might that you have, God's power is greater. Can I get a good amen to that? God's power is greater. Listen to what it says in Psalm 20, verse 7, in the New Living Translation. Some nations boast of their chariots and horses, but we boast in the name of the Lord our God. Listen to what it says in the Passion Translation. It says, uh, some find their, what, strength in their weapons and wisdom, but my miracle deliverance can never be won by men. Our boast is not in, uh, our boast is in Yahweh, our God. Will you say this yellow section with me? Who makes us strong and gives us victory. This is what we need to remember when we go through things in our lives of God's commitment to us. That he says to you, I will fight your battle. I will fight against the spiritual warfare that you're going through right now. I'm going to fight for you, especially when you're going through depression or even mental health issues. God says, I will deliver you. Whether it's from past failures, past mistakes, I will fight for you and deliver you even in your struggle with sin. Even those people who are trying to hurt you and harm you, I will. God also says, I will use all these things for my glory and for my good. We should be thankful that it's not based on what we do or don't do. Can you imagine if the way God does things is based on who, what we do and what we don't do? So when we don't do good things and God says, you know what, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna work for you. I'm not, I'm not committed to you. Or if we do a lot of good things and God says, oh, good job. So then I'm gonna do this stuff for you. That's a, that's a human paradigm. That's a works mentality. And I see it all the time. 
You have a big exam coming up. Oh, I gotta do my soap this whole week because I think it's gonna give me an A. You, you see it all the time, right? There are people who don't show up for a life group at all, but then all of a sudden they have an interview next day. So they come to life group. I know if I come to life group today, Lord, he's gonna give me that job. No, he ain't. He's not gonna give you that job. He doesn't have to. Do you see what I'm saying? We, we do this all the time. Oh, I'm going to go to that gathering because uh, that person's there. Maybe they'll see me and, you know, God will also like honor me in that way. So I could start this. It manifests every single time in our lives. And what God is saying is it's not about you. It's not based on you. It doesn't have anything to do with you. My commitment, God is saying to you, is based on who I am. And what I am going to do, and my purposes, and my mission here on this earth. I think when we understand that, then we'll be a little bit more humble. He doesn't need me. So that when I do get to serve him, then it's my privilege. When I think about so many people being asked or invited to serve or do all this stuff, they're like, oh, no. Then it's all about you. Why did God choose you? I don't know. Somebody like, but I'm not that good. We know that. If we, we didn't know that, <laughs> if we didn't know that, we'll be dumb. And also, none of us will be here. I'll be the first one stepping down. God knows that, that you're not good enough. God knows that, that you're not strong enough. God knows that, that you cannot juggle all the stuff at all at once. He knows that but he still is committed to you. He has chosen you. He has worked in your life. That's why we got to stop looking at ourselves, look to him. It's dependent on who, he, who God is and upon his might and his power. That's why Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 17, ESV says, Ah, Lord God. In other translations, oh, sovereign Lord. It says, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched hand. Nothing, come on, everyone say nothing. Nothing is too hard for you, nothing. And so when we do forget about God's commitment to us and we forget about his purpose, I want you to remember these verses. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 24, listen to what it says. The Lord of hosts has sworn, he has sworn. It's not like, ah, maybe. It's a suggestion. He has sworn, and this man keeps his word. Come on, Jesus, do your thing. He has sworn, as I have planned, so shall it be, and as I have purposed, so shall it stand. Let's listen to the message translation of that. God of the angels' army speaks, exactly as I planned, it will happen. Follow my blueprint. Everyone say blueprint, blueprint. Follow my blueprint, it will take shape. Stop looking at other things to figure out, like, how am I going to do this? Let's look at his blueprint. What is his purpose? Look into the word and you'll know. Isaiah chapter 46, verse 9 and 10 in the NIV says this. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God. And see these yellow sections with me. And there is no other. I am God, he says again. And what? There is none like me. I have made known from the beginning, from the end, from the beginning, from the ancient times, what is still to come, I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. The message translation says, remember your history, your long and rich history. If you want to put this in your context, remember your life. 
<laughs> it might not be long. It's short life. I'm, I'm 18. You know, just look at your life. From the moment you were born and to where you are right now, just, just look at your life. He says, I am God, the only God you have had or ever will have. Incomparable, irreplaceable. Sounds like a song. From the very beginning, telling you what the ending will be all along, letting you in on what is going to happen, assuring you, come on, say this, I'm in this for the long haul. I'll do exactly what I said I'll do. Magnus? What if God says to you, hey, bro, I'm in this for the long haul with you. Hey, sis, I'm with you in the long haul, in this long journey. That will give you the sense of reassurance that no matter how unstable your life is, that God is able. This is what God says to us. No matter what you're going through, how unstable your life may be, how uncertain the future may be, no matter how heavy the trial may be, that God is able, more than able. How about us this morning? I'm wondering if you have forgotten about his commitment to you. I'm just wondering if some of us forgot and we need help to remember that God has a purpose for you. Even though things are not going the way you expect them to go right now or expecting to go right now, that you believe that God has a purpose because his purpose will stand. I want us to just uh, pause here as we finish off uh, after this huddle group just to kind of take a deep breath because when you think about the things in your life that are unstable, and in order for us to really believe that God is, he's going to be more than able for us, you have to believe that he's committed to you. Can we just do that right now? I, I, I know those of you who are like home, you're like, this is going to be really weird. Don't worry. No one's watching you, right? Or you could turn off your camera for a moment. Everyone in here, I, I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. Just close your eyes for a moment. We're not going to do anything spooky. Don't worry. Just close your eyes for a moment. And what I want you to say is a simple phrase. And the phrase is this. Let me first say it, and then we'll say it together. Is thank you, God, for being committed to me. Can we say that together on count of three? One, two, three. Thank you, God, for being committed to me. We have to understand this for us to really believe that he's able. So will you go ahead and break up into your huddle groups here? The two questions that I want you to talk about. Why is it easy to forget about God's commitment to us? And the second question is this. In what ways has God proven to you that he is in it for the long haul? Has he done something? Has he spoken to you about something? And how that he is powerful enough to bring his purpose into your life. So we're going to give you six minutes again. Share quickly. If those of you who shared a lot the first huddle group, Maybe be quiet a little bit and let the other people talk. And if there's more time, they can share. So let's get everyone sharing, all right? So here are the two questions, and we'll come back in six minutes. Welcome back, and hope we had a good discussion. As, we talk, as we're talking about how things in our lives may be unstable, that God is more than able to work and to work powerfully in our lives. I want to 
kind of bring us back now as we talked about how God is committed to us. I want to close out in this last verse about how God is championing for us. As we look at verse 23, I, I want you to see this because there's a lot of stuff in here just in this one verse. And I'm going to read it for us. Listen to what it says in verse 23. It says, On that day, declares the Lord of hosts, I will take you, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Sheratiel, declares the Lord, and make you like a signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord of hosts. Now, in this one verse, you're going to notice God doing two things. If you remember, I said there are five promises, the I will, that we see in this passage, in these four verses. I broke up three promises into the first cluster, and now I'm breaking up these last two promises, the I will statements, in this last cluster. And so two things that you will see is God is accepting his servant. He is accepting Zerubbabel as his servant. The fourth promise is simply, I will take you. The NIV says, I will honor you. The voice translation says, I will choose you. Now, it's important to note that this idea of honoring, to choose, I will take you. Think about it. Out of all the people in the world, why in the world did he take you and choose to save you? Once again, it's not because you just grew up in a Christian home. It's not because you do all these righteous things. I mean, let's be honest here. Look at our lives and see who we are. And God still in his grace, he's accepting us. He's loving us. There's nothing that we did. This is God predetermined. He decided, I'm going to choose you. That's why there should be no room for spiritual pride in Christianity. That's why I really believe it's one of the worst things that God spits it out of his mouth. And the more I try to grow in my relationship with God, the more I see that in my own life, it's, I'm realizing in my own brokenness that God, he, like he's grieved over it. That's how I feel when I hang around people and there's all this spiritual pride. I'm thinking, you're not that great. I'm wondering how much more God feels towards us. You, do, you have done nothing to earn salvation. Your best friend who's not a believer, why didn't God choose them? That's why this idea that here's God who's now championing us. He didn't have to, but he's lifting us up and saying, you I have taken, you I have chosen. You I am going to honor. And then you see God calls Zerubbabel my servant, which shows that you're his, and there's a clear purpose, which is to serve God. You're not the world's servant. You're not your parents' servant. You're not your boss's servant. You might feel like it at times. But you're God's servant. Can I get a good amen to that? This is the reason why so many people, so many of us, we lose focus and purpose of why we do things. Because here you are trying to please this person. Here you are trying to please that person. You won't be able to please everybody. There will come a time, those of you who are people pleasing, listen to me carefully. There will come a time where your desire to please God and your desire to please other people is going to come in direct conflict. Then what will you do? So once again, we are God's servant. 
He has chosen us. Therefore, we give our lives to him and say, God, whatever you want to do, I am yours. Can you imagine hearing these words from God? Especially when you are struggling or feeling that you're not good enough. He goes, you know what? I'm going to take you. I choose you. Those are, those are accepting words. Those are words of just reminding us that God says, yes, I approve. I take it. Even though, but, but God, you don't understand all the stuff in my life. I still choose you. I don't know how I'm going to be able to. I still choose you. So not only God is accepting of a servant, I want you to see God is affirming of his servant. These affirmations. Um, some of you uh, might not know, but you know God has placed a lot of different people in my life. That's why I am here today. I can, I can definitely say beyond a shadow of a doubt, I am who I am today because of the people that are, God has placed in my life. That's why I want to challenge some of you. Some of you don't have people who are older, who are a little bit further along in their journey and who's speaking into your life. I can always tell, whenever I meet people, I, can, I always tell if they've been discipled or they're being discipled or they have a mentor. You can just tell. There's a diff, it's a different breed. But those who are kind of, it's kind of like in the animal world, not to say you're an animal, not to say you're an animal. But it's amazing in the animal kingdom just how different animals travel together and how some of them are just all alone. Like elephants. They travel together. And if you look at some of these other ones who are like predators, they travel alone. Once again, I don't think you're an animal, but there's a lot of good things to learn from the animal kingdom that tells us a lot about our sinful nature. Some of you are the lone wolf. And you can tell, look at your life. You're out of community. You're out of just relationship with people. So I was thinking about my life recently, and as I was even preparing this message, I go, wow, I'm, I was so thankful. As I spent some time reflecting, even yesterday, I was thinking, wow, I'm, I'm just so thankful of all the different people that God has placed in my life at different seasons, too. Some of them I'm still in relationship with and I still talk to. And I want you to look at this picture. This, uh, I'm going to try to get them to come to our church here in Hong Kong one of these days. But one of the things, he hates seafood. So he thinks all Asia has seafood. I'm like, no, you know, there's so many different foods. But th those of you who might not know him, um, and this is uh, Robert and Karen Berger. I first met them in 1998 before some of you were born, I think. Uh, I met them back in 1998. So we're looking at the, about 23 years I've known them. And they've been a source of encouragement to our church in Ann Arbor. We have supported their mission in Lima, Peru. Uh, they're missionaries. They're, they're totally Californians who grew up on the beach, surfing. God took a hold of their lives, flipped them around, sent them to Bible college, and then they felt this calling to go to Latin America. I'll share more about them probably in the future. Like I said, I would love to bring them and have them share their life with you. This was a family when all the American missionaries were told to go back to the States because this was during the 80s when the Shining Path, a terrorist group, came and just completely started bombing people. People were dying by the 10s and 20s because bombs were going off in uh, Lima, Peru, the capital city. Huh. What you see with the pro is nothing. 
like we're talking about bombings. And one time he was sharing about how he came into service and he was preaching the gospel. He felt something was heavy. He was preaching the gospel. He decided to continue to preach boldly. And then this man comes with this bag, like duffel bag. And he comes and he puts it down on the stage. And he goes, Pastor, he goes, I want to receive Jesus Christ. He goes, and he opened up the bag and took out all these guns. I came here to kill you today. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me and I want to become a Christian. And these are the type of people, when you think about their, their legacy, the way they live their lives for Jesus Christ, for the kingdom of God, phenomenal. But why am I sharing about them? Because every single time I had an opportunity to go to a conference with Pastor Robert, we'll go to different conferences together, or I'll, I will see him at these conferences. And he, he's a big shot. Those of you who don't know, he's pretty well known. He's a big shot. He hangs around with a lot of different people who are pretty well-known. If, if I were to even mention some of their names, you will know them because they're like in that culture of people who are well-known in the Christian circles. And every single time I'm there and he would say, hey, Seth, come over here. And he goes, I want to introduce you to somebody. So here I am, this only Asian guy in the midst of all these white people. You know, <laughs> I walk over, you know, stop Asian hate. Anyway, so I, I walk over. I walk over and then he goes, Hey, so-and-so, I want you to meet Seth. Like, he's, he, he's an incredible guy. And he's doing all these great things on this university and doing some discipleship. And then by this time, my face is turning red. And I'm like, holy cow. And I'll explain a little bit later. As I'm kind of listening to all this, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, you know, the Asian side, where now you have to live up to other people's expectations. You know, you, you got to, like, perform. You got to do all that kind of stuff. It starts rising up within me. And he goes, yeah, and... And you know something else? His church, every single missions project team that they've ever sent to our church, and we've been doing it for like, I don't know, 10 plus some years. Every single one, they're the best teams that I've ever seen. And they're like, really? Really? So how are you, Seth? And here I am. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, yesterday or like that week, like I, was, I just wanted to give up. I'm like, oh, people are so frustrating. Like, why is ministry so hard? You know, all this stuff. I felt like this is not it. I'm like, what, what am I doing? Am I being effective? So all these thoughts are going through my mind. And here he is just like affirming. And I was just thinking, sometimes I just look at him. I'm just like, amazing. You know, I have so much respect for him. To this day, he has never said anything negative about anyone. There was this one person that I wanted to find out more because this other person was doing all this stuff. And I wanted to see if this is something that we should work with, with this ministry and this person. So I asked him because he, he is known throughout all of Latin America. He works with some of these big ministries to do leadership and all this stuff. So I asked him, I go, Pastor Robert, like, what do you think about so-and-so? Like, you know, we, we visited and we're not really sure if this is a ministry we should work with. Like, you know, do you know him? Go, oh, yeah, I know him. I, I go, so what do you think? Go, yeah, I think. You should pray and let the Lord speak to you. I've learned over the years, whenever he says that, that's like, don't work with them. Because <laughs> I am not going to say anything negative. And so when I think about that, I realize, no wonder that this man, along with his wife, Karen, not only are they, if you want to look at it, as I shared here, accepting, but they are affirming. Now, you guys know, we're not talking about just kind of boosting up our egos. But he genuinely sees things that are good, and he highlights that. 
And so here we see in this passage, not only God saying, I'll take you, but he says what? He then makes this other promise and he says, I'm going to make you like this signet ring and I've chosen you. This is the fifth and last promise. NIV says this, I will make you like it's my signet ring, for I have chosen you. Message translation says, I will set you as a signet ring, the sign of my sovereign presence and authority. I've looked over the field and chosen you for this work. What is this signet ring? Those of you who don't know, it's a ring with a seal on it that represented the king or some important person. And whenever they would go and any legal documents, they would use that ring and they would put it as a sign. So those of you who might not know, it's kind of like the chop here in Hong Kong. Like you need that chop to make it official. That's exactly what it is. It's the signet ring. Now, what is the significance of it? Because by God saying to Zerubbabel, you will be like a signet ring. God is entrusting Zerubbabel with his authority, with God's authority to carry out God's will. That's why he goes, I've chosen you to carry out my will. And I'm giving you my authority. Now, that reminds us of what he said to the disciples. Jesus said, he goes, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Now go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That is God giving us his authority. Here's God giving Zerubbabel his authority by the signet ring. Now, you're not going to know this Jewish history, but if you know this, you realize, wow, this is so powerful, the words. That's so not only accepting earlier, but it's affirming. Do you know a person named Jehoiachin? He was a bad king in the Bible. But you know who Jehoiachin was? Jehoiachin was the grandfather of Zerubbabel. What happened in the story of Jehoiachin was that because he sinned against God, God took away the signet ring as a symbol to say that I am now taking away my authority from you. You would no longer lead my people. That was his grandfather. God is now restoring the signet ring now to Zerubbabel, the grandson of Jehoiachin. Now check this out. There's even more significance in this. By restoring this authority and by saying you are going to be like my signet ring, that means that you are going to be a part of a long lineage of the Davidic line where the Messiah will come. If you look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 12, you don't have to turn to it, but just if you look at it, you will notice the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And guess who's there? Zerubbabel. So God, in his mercy, in his grace, he decides to choose a person named Zerubbabel. Not because he earned it or deserved it. In fact, his grandfather, great-grandfather, his grandfather failed. But he says, I'm going to choose you so you can carry on this messianic calling where Jesus Christ will be born. I love what Richard Wolf said in his commentary on the book of Haggai. He says is this, and this will help you to understand what I'm trying to get at. Zerubbabel is a type of Christ, the true servant of God and God's signet ring. 
all that has validity in God's eyes, bearing the seal, the stamp of his approval, comes to us through Jesus Christ. Zerubbabel led Israel out of the Babylonian exile, and Christ delivered us from the bondage of sin. Zerubbabel built the temple of God, and Christ is building the spiritual temple, the church. Christ is the signet ring in and through whom all divine purposes are sealed. After the final shaking of the nations, we shall receive a kingdom that cannot be moved, and all nations shall walk in the light of God, and he shall be all in all. Do you see this? That this is even a prophetic foreshadow of this Jesus Christ who will be coming into this world. And that is why God, in his power, as he accepted and approved of who this Jesus is, that he, Jesus came and born into this world, and he lived a perfect life that you and I could not live, and then he died on the cross and resurrected from the dead. And those who will place their faith and trust in him will have eternal life. So when we look at this book of Haggai, the whole story is about God. God doing the work. God reinforcing the priorities. Why we should live. What is the purpose of our lives? And here we are, just part of, if you want to look at it, we're just like stage, uh, like settings. We're, we're, we're like this plant. We're this plant. God in this great stage. And here, this plant, this is who we are. God says, you know what? I'm going to choose that plant. And I'm going to dress it. And this is what I'm going to do. No matter how unstable things are, God, even as you look at the story of the book of Haggai, you will see the purposes and plans of God being restored. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 3, I want to point something out to you. And then I'm going to bring it to a close. It says in verse 1 through verse 3, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of, of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. I want you to read this next phrase with me. It says this, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Man, I want you to sit on that for a little bit. It's not us trying. He's our champion. And he's going to initiate it and he's going to complete it, perfect it. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding his shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from the simple people. Then you won't become what? Weary and give up. Many of you get weary and give up because you're not focusing on the champion. Remember, he is championing for you because he is committed to you so that when you face some of the most unstable things in your life, you'll realize that God is able. The one thing, once again, is our lives may be unstable, but God is more than able. Can I just give us some quick things to apply into this coming week? The first thing is this. Live out your God-given identity knowing that you are loved, you are accepted, that you are affirmed, not because of what you do, but because of who God is. So live it out. Be bold. Be courageous. Every morning, remind yourself who you are. 
as you get onto the MTR or the bus, remind yourself of your God-given identity. So live it out. The second thing is this. Listen to what God is trying to say. God is trying to speak to so many of you with so many different things, but we don't take the time to slow down. I've been encouraging leaders just even uh, yesterday to be able to make the space to take some time to reflect. That's how you develop critical thinking. Some of you don't think, and that's why you make the same mistakes over and over again. So will you take the time to listen to what it is the Spirit of God is saying? The third thing is this, learn the art of abiding in Christ. Because when you're struggling and things are hard, you got to learn how to abide in Christ. It's an art because it's a daily thing. As soon as you feel something, you're like, God, I'm going to abide in you. I'm going to trust in you. Even saying a quick prayer. Learn this art of abiding in Christ. And lastly, leverage the power of testimony, of a testimony. Leverage the power of a testimony. I want to just speak to you directly. And I want you to be able to understand as we come to this stage right now of where we are. It's been almost a year, more than a year, a little over a year since we had to go online. I know in between we met in person, we were doing all this stuff, but I mean, if you think about it, even around the world, a lot of churches have not met in person yet. And I think some of us are getting weary and tired as you think about your careers, as you think about your life, as you think about different things that are going on. And what I want to challenge you with this is whose strength and power are you doing everything? I think maybe some of us need to come to a point where we need to repent. Because we have failed to remember and to recognize that God is committed to us. And He is championing us for us. And therefore, instead of trusting in ourselves, instead of turning to ourselves, we need to humble ourselves and turn to God. I don't know what you're going through right now. Some of you are maybe facing some incredible difficulties. But my challenge to you is will you come to a point in your life right now to say, God, I cannot do this by myself. I need you. Allow some of these unstable situations in your life to be an opportunity for God who is more than able to intervene and show you that He is good. I'm thinking about Easter coming up next week. We have Good Friday and then we have Easter. This should be the pinnacle of our faith because He rose again from the dead. This is where we have all our hope, where we trust, we give ourselves to it. And so my challenge to us is that will you pray this coming week? Pray for the Sunday celebration. Pray for Good Friday. Pray for some of your friends, your family members, your colleagues, people that you're going to pray about and you're going to invest. We keep on sharing this, but I'm going to share it again. Almost 8 out of 10 people will be open to coming to a Sunday celebration or anything related to Christianity, especially during these special holidays. But the problem is, no one asked them. You know why? Because some of you are driven more by your fear. What are they going to think about me? What if they reject me? And I'm telling you, it is not about you. I'd rather have you humble yourself and say, I'm self-centered and selfish and I don't care about people's souls. 
I'd rather have that. At least you're honest. I want to challenge us this coming week. Will you do any, everything and anything to be able to say, Lord, show me the person. And if he prompts you as you listen, as you live out your God-given identity, learning how to abide, maybe God will say, talk to that person. How awesome would it be if you invite them and they go, you know what? I was just thinking, I wish someone would invite me to an Easter celebration. And you're my answer to my prayer. And you're like, nah. <laughs> have you ever heard those kind of testimonies? Probably not, because many of us have not done it. Let's take a step of faith this coming week. Let's believe that as we pray and as we seek after God, that He's going to allow us to have great interactions with people and invite them. And let's move forward and let's see many people hearing the gospel. They might not receive Christ at that time, but let's believe seeds are planted. You have to do the follow-up. Keep on watering every single day at work. Keep on watering every day at class. Keep on watering. Keep on growing it. And one day, they'll join Life Group and they'll be a part of God's family. Found people. Find people. Let me pray for us. Lord, at this time, I just pray that your Holy Spirit will just convict us no matter where we are. I know some of us are weary, tired. We're going through different things in our lives. There are many uncertainties and unknowns. There's a lot of instability. But God, we want to say that you're more than able. Give us faith to believe as you restore us. Strengthen our church. Even as we, we know one day we're going to come out of this pandemic and we want to be ready like never before to be able to live for you and your kingdom. So thank you, Lord God. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.